Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Hello, Atlanta, and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Silver Lining in the Cloud is sponsored by CDI Managed Services, where we provide outsourced IT consulting and integrated solutions. I'm your host, Nicole Toptosh. And in our studio this morning is John Gardner, president of Lucky & Company. Thank you for taking time from your business schedule, John, to be with us this morning. Nicole, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Get us started and tell us about what you do. Great, great opening question. What we do uh, at Lucky and Company is uh, we are a strategic marketing solutions provider so that our basis of business is to take vast amounts of differential data, mm-hmm. turn it into something that marketers and business uh, professionals can use to make a difference in their business uh, to hopefully drive consumer relationships or consumer behavior. A lot of times people say, uh, are you an advertising? Are you a marketing agency? And what we view is that we are a consultative business that helps our clients and partners understand how that they can use marketing solutions to drive their business forward. Advertising is certainly a component of that, uh, as well as digital marketing and media. Uh, but being able to assemble the various uh, arrows in the quiver, so to speak, allows us to be a partner versus a vendor for our clients. And that's so important because the bottom line is to ROI. Absolutely. And ultimately, we love the world-class award-winning creative solutions and innovative solutions we provide. But our charge from our clients is how do we help them improve their business situation? More, more often than not, that is how do we drive sales and return on customer I know sometimes uh, there are softer metrics, but it is about a return on that marketing investment. Uh, what we find is so often is our clients are, are looking to say, how do we create the best return on that dollar, but they don't know where to turn first. And so mm-hmm. a lot of it is they're chasing uh, what the latest trends are. I started this business a long time ago when I had, before I had gray hair. <laughs> and, I, and I remember sitting uh, with the uh, CEO of Dr. Pepper. He was talking about, well, we've got to get into the digital marketing space and we've got to get a website. We've got to get these tools. And I asked him why. And he said, well, because Coke and Pepsi are. And so it was, the idea is that a lot of marketers are afraid of what they're not doing. And our position is if we take the time to understand what the customer needs and how we can create that return on customer, the channel and the, and the executions will become very evident as opposed to me too. Right. And marketing techniques are constantly, rapidly changing with every industry. So with offices originally in Birmingham, starting actually 65 years ago this year, can you tell us when and why Lucky and Company expanded to Duluth, Georgia, and how big the company is? Absolutely. We are so blessed as as a company to be fiercely independent. Since 1953, uh, Lucky has uh, weathered the the storm of consolidation and uh, agency erosion. And Lucky's foundation was started in 1953 by our chairman's father, uh, Ace Lucky. He was on the staff of uh, Admiral Nimitz in the Pacific. 
And he came back to Birmingham and started a, an advertising and PR uh, organization. And uh, his son, Tom Lucky, who's our chairman, mm-hmm. uh, took it over in the, uh, in the 90s. So I had started a company here in Georgia in 2000 called Integrative Logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a firm that was dedicated to being channel agnostic, data-driven, and consumer-focused. And Lucky and Tom were a widely known advertising agency. And in 2011, we joined forces. We were very blessed here in the uh, Integrative Logic family to join the Lucky family. Uh, we combined what we considered was the brilliance of the science of data and the art of marketing to tell magical stories. And uh, that marriage, uh, I think, was unique in what was then considered the traditional advertising space is because a lot of advertising agencies at the time were trying to figure out how to use data and digital uh, solutions. And I think Tom and uh, the, the, the Lucky family saw that by creating this partnership, it gave our client partners an advantage. So Integrative Logic had established uh, our roots in Gwinnett County uh, in 2001, uh, having set up shop in Lawrenceville. And the reason we did that is uh, it made for an easier commute for me. Uh, <laughs> as the, Truth uh, be told. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Those of us that uh, have spent years driving uh, downtown, while it's great when you get there, it's tough to get there and home uh, at times. So we set up shop. And a lot of our competitors had asked us, uh, hey, are you at a disadvantage being in Gwinnett County? And it was just the opposite, is our talent, uh, you know, and our senior leadership were looking for a way in which they could coach Little League, that they could do the uh, breakfast with mom at the school and still be in a world-class organization making a contribution. So We uh, set up shop here, and we just recently, last uh, November, moved to the square in downtown Duluth. Uh, Great space. It is uh, is amazing. Our our talent and our people love it. The uh, city of Duluth and Gwinnett County uh, has done a great job in welcoming us, and it's uh, it's been great. It's been win-win. Now, you mentioned earlier that you had met previously with one of the executives from Dr. Pepper, Who are some of your other clients and what kind of work does Lucky do for them? I think uh, one of the uh, interesting things about Lucky is, uh, I believe in in 2013, AdAge named Lucky the agency to be known in the state of Alabama. But here in Atlanta, uh, we've we've suffered a little bit of an identity crisis. So when I say that we we are the uh, client, one of some of our client partners include Regions Bank and Little Debbie Snack Cakes and GlaxoSmithKline. Vive Healthcare, uh, Williamsburg, uh, this, uh, the Williamsburg Convention and Visitors Bureau, they're surprised. Uh, we also work with Panama City Beach, a, a great oh, wow. uh, uh, organization and a great place to stay. Uh, <laughs> so we encourage people uh, to, to drive south and, and instead of turning right, turn left. Right. Okay, cool. So uh, data and data science are definitely buzzwords that we're, we're definitely hearing a lot about in a negative way, which is no surprise in light of the Facebook and Cambridge analytical issue. Do you see companies getting out of the data collection business? Well, just a, it's probably an emphatic no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what the uh, Cambridge Analytica and Facebook uh, dilemma have sh- has shown us is that we have a consumer and even a, a government and regulatory organizations that 
are not aware of what is occurring. It is uh, a lot of the data collection that we see today has been occurring for decades. Uh, what is different is the scale scope and the uh, intrusion of that data. It is my, my belief that, that the protection of data is one of the most critical responsibilities of organizations, but it's not going away. Mm -hmm. Is uh, When we, we talk to our client partners about uh, data strategies and security strategies, it is really about making sure you protect that, that promise, that brand promise, when, with data, uh, our clients, consumers expect that we create relevance. So if I come to Regions Bank, they expect not only a, hey, John, glad to see you, but they expect us as a bank to create uh, products and solutions that are tailored to the individual. And the way we do that is through understanding the data. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, as brands, we just have to ensure that we keep our commitment to using data appropriately and being respectful of data. As consumers, I think we have to have our eyes wide open as well. If a company doesn't know us, it doesn't treat us with relevance, doesn't speak to us on our terms, our, our view of the brand is diminished. And the way a brand or a company can do that is by understanding data. And so I think, uh, Nicole, long story short is mm -hmm. I think uh, the Facebook example is more political than applicable to the business community. But what it says is we have to be careful as businesses because the use of data is required and is accelerating at an increasing rate. And there's also so many uh, privacy laws that you have to take into account as well. Absolutely. And, and as, uh, having spent time uh, in the U.S. Uh, and in Europe with privacy, pretty much there's the, the laws that exist protects, protect consumers. We as consumers have to be careful with uh, and, and understanding what is occurring. Um, do, I, do I anticipate more legal and regulatory constraints on companies like Facebook and Google? I do, mainly because of the political environment and the absolute scale these companies have over data. Uh, there is not um, a lot of competition when it comes to Google, Facebook, YouTube, and Amazon. They collect and control so much of the marketing intelligence out there uh, that I think that is scaring some people. So, John, how are you counseling your clients to responsibly use the data that they have on their customers? One is be smart. Understand that when I create an exchange with you, information, whether it is uh, my email address or my physical address, down to my social security number or my birthday or my kids' names, is I'm, a, I'm creating a trusted relationship with you as a company. And it's incumbent upon me to protect that. Uh, it's no different than, uh, again, a financial institution. If we give them our money, we expect that to be entrusted mm -hmm. and valued. It's no different than our personal information. We expect an organization to entrust and, and protect that. That being said, that once I create that exchange, just like interest on money, mm -hmm. I expect if I give you information on what I like, what I don't like, how I engage with your brand, I expect you to use that to create value for me. 
uh, whether it's as simple as when I uh, open an email, it has relevance. I'm not searching for uh, something that I am not interested in, mm-hmm. all the way to the ability when I am in a, uh, in a medical situation is that the continuum of care is customized to me. And I think that's what we'll see. Uh, you know, you, you hear the buzzwords of machine learning, artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. uh, those types of things. Data is pervasive. How we use data is an opportunity and an obligation to, the, to our company and our client partners. And at the end of the day, you know, you just have to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Absolutely. Um, you know, and that's the companies that survive, you know, have a very similar or thrive. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Have a similar min- mindset with data as they do with their social responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're looking at what Starbucks is going to do uh, on educating uh, their uh, associates on racial sensitivity and tolerance. Mm-hmm. That same idea of data sensitivity and tolerance, both of them can destroy a brand, whether it's a Delta uh, where they've, uh, you know, violate, have a, a data breach or a social issue. They're in the same con- continuum in that it's certainly not not creating scale of emotion, but I'm, I'm articulating that data is a valuable asset in defining a brand just like social responsibility is. Mm-hmm. And as a, as, so what we would tell our clients is think about how you would want to be treated mm-hmm. as a customer, a guest, uh, or a client. We're talking with John Gardner, president of Lucky & Company on Silver Lining in the Cloud, sponsored by CDI Managed Services. So John, we all know that companies who want to sell products and services need data and insight on who buys their products. Give us an idea on the types of data that are valuable beyond demographic information and how much information is enough and what level of information do brands need to be effective? Great, great question. And we hear this uh, a lot. Um, one, of the, one of the most common themes that I hear when I talk to uh, our partners is we don't have data or we can't get to data. And my answer is yes, you do. Where it is and what we look at. So uh, without getting uh, too granular, we try to break data into to three buckets. Is we, You think about uh, a classification type data, demographics, geographics. So who am I? You know, what's my age? What's my income? What's my family status, race, mm-hmm. education? Where do I live? Those types of data are readily available either through uh, commercial sources. The best source of data like that is the U.S. government, uh, is they readily will let us uh, uh, help define um, our our prospects and guests. The second level of data uh, that is really important is descriptive. So when I think of descriptive data, it would be what do you what is your attitudes and motivations? Uh, what media do you like? Uh, how do you view certain ideas, uh, influences, those types of things? And then the third is transactional, and transactional can be a sale. Uh, I, I go into a store, I transact, and I give you a loyalty card, or it can be a social uh, re- uh, post. It could be a survey response. So when we look at classification, descriptive, and transactional data with our client partners, what we try to do is understand what's the most important and what's the most accessible. Mm-hmm. So if I if I take, uh, we've got a tremendous amount of experience in retail and in and generally, retailers 
know everything about you transactionally. They know what you bought, when you bought, how recently you bought. Um, <laughs> Even if you peeped at the website. <laughs> yes, exactly. If all you do is send me, and I'll give you a great example. Um, I went to the University of Alabama and my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter went to Alabama. My youngest daughter went to UGA. So over uh, the holidays, we had a, a certain football game where my two daughters were pitted against each other. And so I went on a website and bought a UGA um, T-shirt for my daughter, youngest daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, now this brand, all they do is send me UGA stuff. And I love UGA, <laughs> but my, uh, it's not as relevant as if you understood me. So transactionally, we have to be careful. And that's where the descriptive data is important, as well as uh, demographic or transactional data or classification, excuse me. So when we talk about data with our clients is let's understand what data you have to solve the business problem. So in the case of, uh, let's say one of our local clients, Marlowe's Tavern, mm-hmm. unbelievable uh, organization, chef led. Um, we just really uh, enjoy their mission to be uh, their the local tavern. When we think about their guest, there are different ways in which we can influence trying to get that guest into our tavern. And it's not just about transactions. And, and so by doing it, being able to look at that, we can help partner with Marlowe's to say, how do we use this information to better serve the needs of our guests? And a lot of times that equates to a sale. But if we start with data with the idea that it, it is all driven to drive profitability, we miss the mark. Mm-hmm. If we focus on data to drive the guest experience, we win. So you spoke about three different um, buckets or classifications. You mentioned demographic and geographic, mm-hmm. descriptive, and transactional. What is new about this approach? Haven't businesses always gathered data to sell? They have. Uh, and I think what is different, and this is one of, the, I think, the unique approaches that Lucky brings uh, to this challenge and, and one of the reasons that uh, we talk about the science of data and the art of marketing is that historically, organizations like mine would take one piece of data and say it's the holy grail. So uh, give you an example. I, I've worked uh, in the past with some consumer packaged goods organization, and they would define their audience purely on demographics, mm-hmm. age. I'm looking for a female 18 to 24, 24 to 36. And why that might create an opportunity to connect at a lifestyle or life stage environment, it doesn't allow me to understand my connection to the brand. And I think what's different from where we approach it, and I think uh, the tools and technology allows it to be uh, amplified, is that we dimensionalize it. Is One of our uh, previous clients was Chick-fil-A. Um, and we built uh, some some models uh, for them and work with them. And they do they one of the best organizations to work with because of the way they peer forward. Um, but when you think about uh, a guest at Chick-fil-A, my motivation to go to Chick-fil-A might be to get a number one with a Coke Zero because I like it. Uh, someone that is the same age, same geography, might come to Chick-fil-A because they support what the Kathy... Uh, family has created. So the same transaction has two different intents. Mm-hmm. And by being a brand that can understand that and leverage that gives us an opportunity. 
So making that connection is key. Absolutely. Connections uh, and relevance, I think, is something that data should do. And, and I, Nicole, I'll point out is that a lot of folks on the, the other side that are pure data consultants, the answer is not data. Data gives us a window, is a, is, is a window into humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's what we look to do is take that data to create that brand experience that is connective. So what advice would you give to marketers who feel they don't have data available to personalize their marketing? Call us. <laughs> <laughs> One call, that's all. <laughs> uh, but don't call Saul, call John. Okay. Uh, but uh, no, I, I think uh, the advice is, um, the first thing I would say is don't overcomplicate it, is data analytics and uh, modeling is iterative and incremental take a first step is let, you know, go in and understand, do we have survey data, Google analytics data? Do we have transactional data? Do we have registration data, even index cards? We've even built databases off of uh, business reply cards of somebody returning for a rebate. Uh So it's just taking the data that Mm -hmm. you may not understand you have and bringing it together to tell a story. Once we do that, then we can add to it. We can go out and survey. We can buy data. We can create programs to collect it. Uh, but if the first advice I would give is don't overcomplicate it. And then the second thing is don't make data in the, in the, for marketing and con- customer connections, don't make it an IT issue. Mm-hmm. IT is the enabler or tech, information technologies enables us to use data. But so often I've seen that uh, companies think their first call when using data needs to be uh, to a big uh, IT and data uh, company. Mm -hmm. They are critical to the success, but the use of data starts on the business and business strategy side. And once you do that, it's very easy. Mm -hmm. So don't overcomplicate it. You recently announced that Lucky is partnering with uh, Grady College at UGA. Tell us more about that relationship. One of the great things uh, about Lucky is our commitment to community. Um, and uh, Commitment w- to community, I like that. Is that uh, starting in 1953 with uh, Ace Lucky and through uh, Tom and, and Bobby Lucky, uh, and then when they passed the, the mantle to me, I remember uh, when Tom asked me to, uh, graciously asked me to take over as president. He never said, I need you to drive results. I never, he never said, I need you to uh, make this place more profitable. He said he knew that would come. He looked mm-hmm. at me, he said, I need you to make sure our name, the Lucky family and the Lucky company is respected in the community. And that's a huge challenge mm-hmm. uh, for somebody that is is very uh, driven to drive results. And, mm-hmm. and we sat back and we thought about that is Lucky had a, a tremendous reputation in the community and partnerships in the state of Alabama. And so what we did is uh, we developed uh, partnerships both with the University of Alabama and the University of Georgia mm-hmm. because one, it's it makes sense. Uh, our, our company has experts that uh, know marketing, creative, analytics, IT development. And we thought that would be a great opportunity for us to give back. And it was interesting. We approached the University of Georgia 
uh, Dr. Brian Reber down there and the team. And we found that they wanted us as much as we wanted them. And so what we did is uh, we, we agreed to sponsor uh, a lot of their student-led initiatives. Uh, they've got an organization called the Talking Dog Agency, which mm-hmm. is a great organization that allows students to work on real clients. So they're going, we're going to put them with, with our team. We also uh, agreed to uh, sponsor uh, an initiative that uh, our team recently uh, participated in. It's a, it's a program the University of Georgia sponsors and produces that brings together the best and brightest students from the region's historically black colleges and universities that don't have advertising programs on campus. So during their spring break, they come uh, to Atlanta and take a week boot camp. And uh, Dr. Reber called us and said, do you mind helping us teach? Uh, So we sponsored and and taught. What's the advantage for Lucky? We have access to talent. And Mm -hmm. uh, this this summer, I think we're going to have three or four interns uh, from the University of Georgia and a couple from the University of Alabama. It's a source of talent, but it's also fun to go on the campus and make a difference. It, it really is. And uh, we, we got a, a, a great note from the, the kids that participated in the uh, ad week. And, and one just, it was, you, you knew that you made a difference in their life. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's good. You know, we're in a business to make money. We're in a business to do great things for our clients. But it sure is nice to, to have somebody say, hey, you're helping me out. Right. It's helping them to set that foundation for themselves. And you guys have definitely shown through this partnership that you are committed to the community. You've definitely shown that you have kept Lucky as a respected name in the community. And just listening to you today, uh, John, you're very passionate about what you do. Where does that passion come from? Fear. <laughs> Fear of failure is a great motivator. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel like I've been blessed my whole life is that I get to work with some of the smartest, nicest people. And in fact, uh, I use that phrase uh, when I started my company, Integrative Logic, I had basically very simple goals is the first one people said, did you build a five-year plan? I said, no, I built a 30-day plan to make payroll every 30 <laughs> days. So but the other thing I said is that to work with us or for us, you have to be smart and nice. Right. And we, you can't have one without the other. And I've found over my uh, career that if you surround yourself with, with, with a, a staff and a family that is smart and nice, with client partners that are smart and nice, and suppliers and, and uh, vendors that are smart and nice, you can have a lot of fun at what you do. Um, I, I get the most joy out of our, our clients winning with their objectives, you know, whether for Regions Bank, it's that the latest, uh, you know, television promotion or campaign is driving checking accounts, or it's GlaxoSmithKline's uh, HIV practice, Vive Healthcare, if scripts increase. That's important. But what is more important is when we can sit down with our client partners and they say, it's fun to work with you guys. You guys are making a difference. And that's what I think drives not just me, our entire company is that we we want to do great things and not let our, our, our people down. Awesome. John, tell our listeners how they can get in contact with you to learn more about your services that you offer. Absolutely. Thank you for that opportunity, Nicole. Uh, you can email me, john, J-O-H-N dot Gardner, G-A-R-D-N-E-R at lucky.com. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at John C. Gardner uh, or uh, come to our website, lucky, L-U-C-K-I-E dot com. Uh, reach out to us. Uh, I'm also very frequently, uh, you know, sitting at uh, sporting events. So come up to me, <laughs> say hello, and uh, let's have a conversation. So will I see you tomorrow with the Braves and the Mets game at SunTrust? You know, uh, I've got to work. <laughs> You know, I have to stop, but uh, you probably will see me very soon at a Gwinnett Stripers game uh, okay. and Thursday night at the Gwinnett Gladiators. Sounds good. Or, I'm sorry, the Atlanta Gladiators Atlanta now. Atlanta Gladiators, that's right. Thank you so much, John, for that great interview. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk uh, business to business. Thank you again to our great guest today, John Gardner, president of Lucky & Company. We appreciate you for what you do for the community, and we thank you for being on the show. I'm Nicole Toptosh on behalf of CDI Managed Services. As a reminder to listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to businessradiox.com. And until next time, remember, when it comes to IT solutions, CDI Managed Services is your Silver Lining in the Cloud. (laughs) 